Welcome to Murder and Mimosas. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. Our show is Murder and Mimosas. It's a true crime podcast. This means that we do discuss crimes, including but not limited to disappearances, murder, and sexual assaults. All our episodes are told with the respect of the victims and the victims' families in mind. We strive to ensure that we provide factual information, but some information is more verifiable than others. With that, grab your mimosas and let's dive in. Welcome back. I'm Shannon. And I'm Danica. And a special treat, we are recording from a true crime festival today. It is uh, started this evening. It is currently Friday. So we're recording this the night before, which is not our usual style. Um, but we had to get it in before tomorrow because we've got more fun at the festival tomorrow. Yes. Um, we met some new authors, um, a podcaster. Catherine Townsend, who is um, from Hell and Gone. She does cold cases, missing people. Um, they're all Arkansas crimes. Definitely recommend her podcast if you haven't heard of it. Um, one season is all one case. Uh, so it's a little bit different than how we do ours. But she actually does investigative. She's got that background. So she does investigative work um, and helped with uh, the Rebecca Gold case. Gold. 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 So um, tomorrow there is cops coming in that are talking about um, some cold cases, yes. um, and a few different authors. One of them that you guys may know um, is Mara Leverett. She wrote The Devil's Knot and The Boys on the Track or some books by her. So she will be there tomorrow. So we're really excited. Yes. And now that we had our true crime fix, we're going to bring you your true crime <laughs> fix. <laughs> yes. So today we're going to tell you the story of the Sun Jim Gang. So grab your mimosas and settle in. Okay, so this one is going to blow your mind because it's so bizarre that it doesn't even seem real. So we begin with Frank Griga, Griga, a Hungarian immigrant that moved to the States to live his dream. He and a friend wanted or watched a lot of Miami Vice all the time as kids and their dream was to live there someday. Frank's friend moved first, and Frank came along not long after. Frank got a job selling cars, but Frank wanted to be his own boss. Frank started a phone sex line. Okay, and for y'all that are too young to remember, these were advertisements on TV, usually on cable and late at night. This was women dressed provocatively telling you, please call them for only $5 a minute. I don't think it sounded like that when they said it. It's more like, oh, no, I didn't do it that way. Please call. <laughs> We're waiting. Okay, maybe you do remember. I didn't think you would remember. So this was, of course, before the Internet had taken off. He eventually had over 40 sex lines and was doing really well for himself. He was living the American dream. The only thing he was missing was someone to share his life with. Frank liked to frequent strip clubs to look for women for his commercials. One of his favorites was Solid Gold. This is where he met Christina Burton, also a Hungarian immigrant. She wasn't a stripper, but she did work there. The two hit it off and eventually moved in together. 
They were 10 years apart in age, from, but from all accounts, people say they seemed meant for each other. The two were going to leave for the Bahamas, where Frank owned a condo and a boat there. Their housekeeper showed up that morning, and she didn't see them. Or their yellow Lamborghini. It was also gone. She noticed they also left the dog, which was very out of character for them. I mean, this dog was like their child. They also left their plane tickets on the table, and they weren't going anywhere without those. She feels like something just isn't right, and she goes next door to the neighbor's house to tell them. The neighbor agrees that all of this just does not seem like them, and she ends up filing a missing person report. Three days later, a state trooper finds Lamborghini in the Everglades. They trace the car, and it turns out to be Frank's. When he sees that there's a missing person report on him, the police, of course, suspect foul play. They start interviewing neighbors and friends. The neighbor, Judy Bartos, that reported them missing, tell police she saw them the night before she was walking her dog. They were heading out to dinner with two men that she had never met before. She described them as dark skin, chiseled with long black hair, and very good looking with lots of muscles. Are we sure that they were kidnapped? Or, I mean, <laughs> this, this doesn't sound like a bad shake of a deal here. I know. So this is all the police really have to go on. They lift some fingerprints from the car, but they don't get a hit on them. Plus, this is the mid-90s, and the databases aren't what we have today. They decide to look into other missing person cases where people were described weightlifters as possible suspects. I would suspect in Miami in the mid-90s, they have all kind of abductors <laughs> identified as weightlifters or bodybuilders. I'm not holding on to my breath for a leap there. I know. I mean... <laughs> We're trying to look for weightlifters as suspects. <laughs> I'm going to need you to, um, we're going to do a lineup. You, I know. Could someone just go round up a few guys from the gym? Bob, Bob, do you, do you have a gym? You go, no, you like donuts. Frank, Frankie, can you hit the, go, go to the gym and bring some of your friends down here. Okay, we're going to do a lineup. I know. Okay, but the odd thing is they actually did a, get a lead with this. The homicide captain, Al Harper, remembers a private investigator named Al DuBois. DuBois? DuBois? Sorry. Ed DuBois. DuBois? It's, it's French. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not French, so I didn't know that. So, DuBois. Telling him about a wild case he was working on. Apparently, a man named Mark Schiller said he had been kidnapped, tortured, and held captive for over a month by men that called themselves the Sun Jim Gang. Mark was also an immigrant from Argentina who came to the States in the late 80s. He started an accounting practice, and then he started a Medicare billing company as well as other companies, and by the mid-90s, he was a very well-off businessman. Mark tells Ed he he strict, he's pretty strict with his routine and every day does pretty much the same thing. And every day he frequents the restaurant he owns and he leaves most days around 3.30 or 4. However, in November of 1994, his normal routine meant that the Sun Gym gang knew exactly where he was. As he was walking to the parking lot to leave, he was grabbed by three big men who tased him and put him in a van. 
They blindfolded him and took him to a warehouse where he would be housed for the next 30 days. These men kept him blindfolded and shackled. They beat him. They didn't allow him food or water. They burned him with cigarettes. They tased him often. They played Russian roulette with a handgun to his head. They didn't allow him to go to the bathroom. All this is horrible. But the real kicker, they did all this until he signed papers, turning over all his assets to them. Wait, what? There's no possible way that this is going to go over. Is he married? I have have so many questions. Like, this just doesn't work. I know this. Yeah, I told you this is going to blow your mind. So he actually is married. And the Sun Jim gang have him call his wife and tell her he's going on a business trip for a month. So she needs to take the kids and go to her mom's house. So as I said, he's blindfolded this whole time and he finally relents. He starts signing over his assets, but he can't see what he's signing. He has no idea what he's signing. He signs over his house. He signs checks, which they use to clean out his bank accounts. He signs over his life insurance policy. He signs over everything. Okay, hang on. Rewind. I wasn't alive yet in 1994, but I have to believe where I'm hoping (laughs) that there is more involved than just signing a piece of paper like is it you don't have to I have to get everything notarized now you didn't have to have a notary or show your ID nothing you could just sign your papers and then like everybody could just take it we're actually going to get into a little bit of that on how they did this he is well aware once they get what they want he's a dead man They forced tequila and whiskey down him, along with sleeping pills. The Sun Jim gang wants to stage an accident. They take him completely out, or he's completely out of it with all he's taken. And they, they ram him, or they ram a car into a pole. They put Mark in the car, pour gas all over it, and set it on fire. Mark manages to get out of the car. I mean, even after he's ingested all this, the car's on fire. They see him, and then these guys run over him. They figure this guy is dead. I mean, how can he not be with everything they've done to this man? But Mark is a fighter, and he somehow ends up in the hospital. He has burns, cuts, and a broken pelvis. Is he secretly Superman? Or the Bionic Man? I don't know what he is, but I mean... To go through all that is is like one of those crazy shows where you're like, yeah, this is never happening in real life. So Mark never goes to the police about all this. Once he gets out of the hospital, he goes to get a private investigator. He says that the Sun Jim gang told him that if he did go to the police to rat them out, they would fire back and tell them about his shady business operations. Of course, I don't think they expected him to live to tell about anything. That is where Ed DeBow enters the picture. Ed sees that the person that notarized the documents was where Mark um, gave all his assets away was notarized by a CPA named John Messa. And here is another twist. He also owns the Sun Gym. Okay, so we do see the documents at least had to be notarized. And the person doing that was also in on all that. That's a really dumb move. 
I agree. But I mean, I guess it's hard to find like a legit notary who's going to sign it while the guy's <laughs> blindfolded and shackled and whatnot. So that's true. There's that. So Ed goes to talk to John at his office. Ed is placed in a room to wait to talk to John and he sees the trash can in the waiting room is overflowing with papers. So, of course, being the detective that he is, he looks through this and he finds evidence in the trash and exposing 11 guys in the kidnapping plan. I haven't ever kidnapped anyone or anything, but if I did, I don't think I would write it all down what I was going to do and throw it in the trash can so anyone can find it to incriminate me, much less put the PI in the room with it. I just want to know um, how you get 11 people to be a part of a kidnapping. I can't get like one person to like do anything with me. No joke. I mean, girls not when you're like, please, somebody come with me. I know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, maybe a male bonding over roids at the gym. Maybe, I don't know. Or maybe you just need one person that's stronger than the other ones. Maybe. That's right into- beat him up he does talk to john though and he just says that this was legit this was a business you know thing with mark and he consented consented to all this ed can't do a lot though because he's a pi so he takes the evidence he's collected from the trash and he goes to the police the police don't do anything though They think this doesn't sound legit. This guy must be like a drug dealer trying to get rid of his competition or something. But this just sounds too far-fetched to them. All right. I assume, though, this is how the police knew the story and suspects was because Ed went to the police with it. Also, though, I would like to say it's kind of a wild story. Yes. Yeah. So, I yeah, I mean, I can understand the police like wow, this is crazy. You were kidnapped. You didn't try to report this or anything. Yeah, I I get it. I get it. Also, can we talk for a minute about what Mark's wife would have thought had he died? I mean, when the autopsy report came back and it would have probably looked like suicide with all the alcohol and sleeping pills in his system. And she's now homeless with kids, no money. He signed his life insurance over his business over. I mean, She would be grieving, but the shock and anger, too, and panic of what am I going to do now? I would have to assume the house and business or must have been in his name only or they would have needed her signature, too. But can you imagine the shock and just it would be insane? Yeah, the shock of losing your spouse would be hard, but then you have to be confused. Like, where is all this stuff? And then angry when you have absolutely nothing now and wondering why your husband would do this to you and your kids. And like, you didn't know anything about it. It's not like he had a debt to pay and he needed a way out. And he was like, Hey, this is what I have to do, or I'm going to die. She doesn't know anything. And even if it doesn't look like a suicide, it looks like a really selfish accident that he, you know, got messed up and then hit a tree or something, but or or then got ran over. However, it wants to, but it looks bad and it doesn't look like, doesn't look like a homicide. No, but so thankfully this isn't what happened, but police get a hold of Ed and they want his evidence now. So he gives him the names of the suspects when they, once they hear the similarities, 
The gang leader in this crazy mess appears to be Danny Lugo. He's 32. He's a bodybuilder. And he happens to be the manager of the Sun Gym that John Mesa owns. And of course, John hired him. He's also already a convicted felon after he was charged with defrauding elderly people out of their money in an insurance scheme. Danny recruits several several other men, one being Adrian Dorble, a 28-year-old trainer that works at the gym, as well as George Delgado, a guy Adrian trains at the gym. So all of these are gym guys, probably on steroids. I don't know. I, I guess I shouldn't make accusations, but I mean, they're awfully, obviously not the smartest guys. So police are still interviewing people. Frank and Christina know. They go to the Solid Gold Strip Club and talk to a lady named Bertice. She was Frank's ex-girlfriend and a former co-worker of Christina. She says she was dating a 28-year-old Adrian Dorble. She says she introduced him to Frank when he wanted to talk to somebody about a business opportunity. Police take a picture of Adrian to the neighbor that saw them leave that night that they were killed, and she confirms Adrian as one of the men she saw that night as what she described as a bodybuilder or weightlifter. Of course, they head off to find Adrian, and they find him at his apartment with George, along with a crap ton of evidence that connects both men, not only to Frank and Christina, but also to the kidnapping of Mark. Okay, so, like, um, I'm not really in the gym, so these guys could probably, like, teach me correct form or fitness, whatever. Um, But when these guys come to crime, they are morons, like. Just take out a freaking billboard that says we did it. <laughs> what did they find? So they found blood stains for one. They find uh, Frank's business card and they find the outfit Christina was wearing the night she disappeared. Police haul them in and the interrogation begins. Adrian does confess fairly quickly to the kidnapping of Mark and the murders of Frank and Christina. He tells police that they told Frank that they had a uh, business proposition and they wanted to pitch it to him. The prosecutor on the case really dives into why Frank got roped into this. So let's listen to that for a second. Started uh, socializing with them in the club and they told him that they were investors and that they had a way to make 20% return on the dollar. That's a lot of money. And in fact, they did what they thought they could make 20% return on the dollar. There was a company that was being started in India, cable phone lines in India, and they had been in contact with an investor there. Danny was very savvy on the internet and was very savvy in investments. He had made contact with a man that lived in Massachusetts. And the man had come down, met with Danny, and told him, I need this many millions of dollars for you to get in on this deal. But I'm telling you, you're going to make 20% return on your money. It's a risky deal, but if it goes, you're going to be more than a millionaire. Danny wanted that deal. He did not have that kind of money. He wanted his nest egg where he had it in IBM stock, and he wanted someone else's money to gamble on the Indian investment. He wanted Frank's money for that. (laughs) 
They plan on going to a restaurant to pitch the proposal, but Adrian already knew this restaurant was closed. So then he suggested they go to his place and talk about it. So that's how they end up at his apartment. He tries to subdue Frank, but Frank isn't going down without a fight. Adrian ends up choking him and hitting him on the head, which kills him, of course. This threw a major wrench in the plan because they actually need Frank alive to sign over all his assets, like they made Mark do. They aren't sure what to do with Christina at that point, so they give her a horse tranquilizer. Actually, they give her enough to kill a thousand-pound horse. After they do that, they think, hey, wait, she might know some of his bank information. Let's get that real quick. Only she was completely out of it with what she had been given and eventually died from the tranquilizer. So these two have completely ruined the scheme and have two dead bodies on their hands and they don't know what to do with to do with them. So Adrian decides they should call John Ramondo, a Department of Corrections officer who, guess what, works out at the Sun Gym. He gets to the apartment and his broad idea is we need to cut these bodies up. These guys are the epitome of what you would classify as dumb jocks. They go by a chainsaw and they try to cut Christina up, but her hair keeps getting caught in the blade as they try to saw her head off. Of of course, they're now on a budget, I guess. So they return the chainsaw back to the store when it doesn't work out for them. Then they get their hatchets and they cut them up. They put them in 50-gallon drums and they toss them into the Everlades and, of course, ditch the car Frank drove there. All, all in total, 11 people are arrested and charged with this harebrained schemes. Adrian and George are found guilty and sentenced to death. John Mesa was sentenced to 30 years and John Ramondo was sentenced to eight years. Mark actually also served two years after being arrested by the FBI for a Medicare scheme. It also cost him his CPA license that he was later able to regain. He is said to work for an accounting firm now. He's written two books about what took place, if you want to check those out. There was also a movie released in 2013 called Pain and Gain to depict the things that occurred with the Sun Gym Gang. It starred Mark Wahlberg and The Rock. Mark Schiller sued Mark Wahlberg and the production company because he did not like how he was portrayed in the movie. The movie, he, this is a quote, the movie ruined my life. I don't go out much anymore. I've become a hermit. You get a strange looks and you think people recognize you from the movie, end quote. He also says he once made as much as $1 million a year, and now he only makes $20 an hour as an accountant. He does remember that was because he was scamming Medicare, doesn't he? <laughs> also, what does he mean recognized from the movies? Does he look identical to Mark Wahlberg? No, and they even use a different name. I mean, they, they don't even give the same name. What but, a paranoid loser. Um. But but it's not Mark Wahlberg that plays him, but they just, he thinks that he's portrayed in a, a bad light, which, I mean, he you is. You are, because you did bad things. Yes. You were skimming off the government. So I 
would hope so. So this is a little wild ride by what seemed to be a bunch of sleaze bags, in my opinion. So you can tell us what you think. You could tell us what you think by going to Twitter at murder.mimosas. Tell us what you think on Instagram at murder.mimosas. We'll have some pictures if you like to see things like we do. Uh, I'll probably put a picture on the rock just for fun, <laughs> you know, because who doesn't want that? And um, where else? Oh, you can you can email us at murder.mimosas. Um at gmail.com if you have a case that you'd like us to do that sounds like a really bad action movie but it actually mm-hmm. happened in real life um with bad i mean it's, it's got mark Wahlberg in the rock though we'll still watch your bad action movie no joke um also i don't know how these people got away with it because it just seems like step after step was like dumb dumb and dumber well they didn't get away with it for long i mean clearly but Dumb and dumber. I just don't even know how they thought that they were going to get away with it, which blows my mind. Like, Well, they kind of did get away with the first one, so then they thought they could do it again. Well, that's because that guy was so shady that he didn't want to go to the police. Yeah, that was dumb. I mean, if you were so shady, too, then, I mean. I don't know. I would have. They tried to kill you. Yeah, I would have hauled my butt right to the police. I don't care. Yeah, well. Yes, it's smart, though. If you're going to do something shady, do it to someone who does shady things. If you want them to keep their mouth shut. Also, though, like, just do a better job of killing them. No, There's like that. Help. We do not condone murder. We're not saying kill people. No. But we're saying if you're going to do it, like, do better than them. Because I suck. mean, they did try. They uh, Lots of ways. They, and they, they just kept him. They failing. They on fire. They ran over him. This guy did not want to die. I'm just <laughs> like, you know feel like maybe they weren't trying hard enough. They should have tried something maybe a little more, like, I don't know, stabby or shooty. Or maybe the horse tranquilizer that worked yeah, on that Christina. Worked on but still, oh, we're not giving you ideas on how to kill people. We are not no saying. Fan. We do not condone. It's not behavior that we condone. Um, oh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, you can email us. That was what I was saying. Oh, and, uh, sorry. You can, we get off track sometimes. Uh, find us on Facebook. That is Murder and Mimosas Podcast. And yeah, so check those out. We hope that you have a great weekend. We will be here, um, you know, getting some more of our true crime fix. Hope you got your true crime fix today. Enjoy Mimosa on us. Bye. Bye.